Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Hey, Jeff, it is your first Cut for Time in a long time. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. I uh, I hope I remember how to do this. Maybe I'm like the Tin Woodsman from The Wizard of Oz. Like, I need I need some oil. My cut for time joints are creaky from lack of use. We'll see. Okay. Well, we're going to start with uh, a warm up, an easy layup for you. Oh, Give okay. us a summary of your sermon from Sunday. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, Paul. The the core of this passage, one that maybe many of us have memorized or heard before, uh, in verse. 20 of Galatians 2. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, So Paul is saying that it's dying to kind of an old life, an old way of identifying ourselves, an an old way of earning our own righteousness uh, and, and letting all that reckoning all that crucified with Christ is what actually leads us into life. And, and if we have died with Christ in that way, then we are raised with Christ to a new kind of life, a new identity, a new way of relating to people that isn't based on uh, our law keeping to earn us anything before God. And that uh, isn't, uh, doesn't become sort of what identifies us as Christians. It's not our morality. It's not our Christ-likeness even that says we belong to Jesus. It's our faith in what Jesus has done for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, is there anything that you have to cut for time from your sermon? Oh, yeah. There, the Some of the middle verses in this section that maybe we even have some uh, interpretive questions around, uh, like uh, in verse uh, 17, Paul asks this rhetorical question. Uh, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, if we too were found to be sinners, is Christ the servant of sin? Well, how does that, how does that even fit in the passage? So part of what uh, Part of what we need to do is, is sort of take a step back in this passage and remind ourselves of the context. So uh, Paul is writing to these believers in Galatia in a sense about something that happened in another place, in Antioch. Remember when Peter had been eating with the Gentile believers and then some Jewish believers came and all of a sudden uh, Peter withdraws from them and is basically sending this message like, well, you know, if if you're not following the Jewish customs, you're not really in the inner circle. You need to have all these outward markers of godliness to really show that you're God's people. And in fact, in some translations, in some versions, that section of verse uh, 15 to 21 uh, is still included in quotation marks uh, because it's not totally clear whether this is exactly what Paul was saying to Peter. Like, is this still part of Paul's rebuke to Peter, or is it kind of his reflection after the fact? Okay. But, but the context is not so much about, uh, am I keeping the law to be forgiven and saved? Uh, it's really more, 
am, am I looking at other people or myself as having the right markers of godliness to identify myself as belonging to Jesus? And, and for these Jewish believers, the, the markers were circumcision and keeping the dietary laws. And because they weren't doing those things, the, the Jewish believers, Peter included, were sort of holding them at arm's distance and, and creating division and conflict and questions in the body of like, who's really in Christ, who's, who's really God's people. Mm-hmm. So that's all the context for this response that, that Paul is giving. And then in verse 17, when he asks, so if we are trying to be identified as justified, as righteous in Christ, but then we have to acknowledge we're sinners. Does that mean is Christ the servant of sin? So it, it's sort of this question like, well, it, Paul's taking on the position of someone who might be pushing back on his argument uh, and, and asking like, well, okay, so then are you saying it doesn't matter how I live? It, 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 I can just sin all I want. And as, as long as I'm justified in Christ, it doesn't matter. And it's similar to an argument. Paul picks up in Romans. And in the same way, he says, no, God forbid. No, that is, that is not what the gospel is about. And that's what leads into this verse 18. If I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So in other words, if, if I go back, though, to obeying the law, keeping, keeping Torah, managing all the outward symbols of uh, a Christian life, all that the law can do is show that I don't keep it. I'm, if I, in other words, if I'm looking to some standard within me of measuring up to God's law, obeying him at a, at a certain level, uh, if I rebuild what I tore down, if I'm trying to rebuild my own righteousness, my own identity by my obedience, by being the right kind of a Christian follower of Jesus, all I'm doing is proving that I'm a sinner mm-hmm. because all the law can do is condemn me. It can't save me. It can't justify me. And, and that's where in verse 19, he's, he gets to saying, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. So what, what Paul's getting at here, and part of what we, we had to skip through for the sake of time, is the similar argument that he makes in, in his letter to the Romans, that the law, there's nothing wrong with God's law. I'm what's wrong with God's law, uh, because I can't keep it. God's law is, as Paul says in Romans, good and holy and perfect and just. The problem is it can never justify me because I can't live up to it. And so there, there is a theological debate, interpretive debate, is, is the, about the issue that Paul is attacking or addressing here in Galatians. Is it that these Jewish believers were saying, no, our law-keeping is what justifies us with God? Or were they really saying, no, we, we keep the law because we're God's people, but if you're not measuring up to the right standard of law-keeping, I'm not really sure you're on the inside. So hopefully that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's uh, it, it, again, a kind of a dense passage with uh, some it, it, trying to step back and even make sure we understand the context so that we're interpreting the passage the right way. And, and I think I want to say both of those things are true. I mean, Paul is in the immediate context challenging these Jewish believers attempt to identify who's in the people of God by 
external measures, right? Like, you know, in previous generations, there, there was the old little rhyme, like, you know, don't, don't, don't drink, don't, don't dance, don't chew, don't go with girls that do, mm. right? Like what identifies me as a Christian is the things that I don't do. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I avoid those kinds of particular sins, or I take on these kinds of behaviors that mark me as a Christian. And, and Paul is saying, not that those things don't matter, but they're not what demonstrates that we belong to Christ. Uh, a, a pastor who I, uh, whom I really appreciate had a, a, great, a great little statement that he shared on uh, Twitter just yesterday that I thought I unintentionally or intentionally, it was a great summary of, of this passage in Galatians. He said, it is not our Christ likeness that makes us Christians, but our in Christness. What saves us is not our Christ likeness, but our in Christness. And that's just what Paul is saying to these people in Galatia. It's not looking like Jesus that saves me. That, that's part of the Christian life. And again, Paul's going to, you know, we're going to see what that looks like in the rest of the letter, but he's laying this foundation to attack this question, this, this problem, this expectation that some Christians were looking at other Christians and say like, I'm not sure you're really a believer because you don't kind of measure up mm-hmm. in, in the things that Christians ought to be doing or not do. So bring that down to you and to me, to this application, like how should we be interacting with people in our church body? How do we keep ourselves from thinking that towards others? Uh, yeah, well, how we, I, I think the, the reality of what that can look like is, I mean, you just have to look around at our world and all the polarization and the angry voices and, you know, the the, the voices of exclusion and uh, you can't really trust those people, or if you believe this thing about this social issue, then I'm not really sure you're a follower of Jesus. And and I think what Paul is driving to in, in that day and, and would help for us is bringing us back to this core reminder. It's not our Christ-likeness that makes us Christians. It's our in Christness. Even if you think that Somebody is, you know, caught in some sin or uh, believing, you know, they're, they're believing some position about a social issue or a political issue or a justice issue or a, how we engage with the world. The thing we have to remind ourselves is that is not what defines who's a Christian. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to disagree about all kinds of things, which is exactly why Jesus has to tell us to seek the unity of the church through the bond of peace. And, you know, the, the disciples that he calls together is this motley crew of people all over the spectrum, uh, politically, socially, culturally. And there's an intentionality to that, that, you know, Paul's going to get to even later in, in Galatians where he pulls this out and says, like, that in, in Christ, there's no male or female or barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, Jew, Gentile, we're all one. And he's not saying those, those realities don't matter. But what he's saying is they are meaningless as far as picturing who's a Christian and who's not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think Paul is driving to is, is he's challenging us to stop measuring, stop measuring others 
faithfulness or faith in Christ based on the things that we tend to include with what we think Christ-likeness looks like. Yeah. So how will his argument, how will um, how he writes the argument now set us up for what we're about to read in chapter three? How does this connect? Oh, yeah, for sure. We're because what Joey's preaching on next week. Right. Uh, right. Because Paul now is going to start having laid this foundation. Uh, he's still bringing some more arguments in uh, to, to challenge these Galatians about, think about the implications of what you're doing here. Think about what it would mean. Like if, if we can really measure one another's faith by externals, by, by whether they're living up to the you know, standard of godliness, does, is there even a biblical basis for that? Does, does, that make, does that make any sense in terms of what the gospel is and how God's working in your lives? Uh, he's he's going to go into, you know, pointing out that, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the law, I mean, the law came after God's covenant with Abraham anyway. So why are you looking back to Moses and the law as the thing that's central to what it means to know God when... The law only came after God had already created his people through faith with this covenant in Abraham. And, and so he's going he's gonna to pull out some of those implications of uh, what it means to rely on works of the law and, and how we know even biblically that that doesn't save us, how God's already told us in, in the Old Testament that that isn't how we're saved or what our relationship with him is based on. So this, this foundation of uh, making sure that what we are grounded in is the grace of God to us in Jesus Christ received by faith. That's not just true of me individually in my relationship with God. It's true of the people of God, which means... That, that person that's living differently, their life looks differently than mine, their politics are different than mine, their approach to engagement with the world is different from mine. Uh, you know, how we raise our kids, do we homeschool them? Do we put them in public school? Do we put them in private school? I, people can have really strong opinions about those things and fine, let each one be convinced in his mind, but it has nothing to do with whether or not we love Jesus and are found in him. Uh, and and on and on to a host of things. You know, should I, is it okay to drink alcohol? Well, yeah, that's a debate and Christians can land on different sides of that. But however you answer that question does not have anything to do with whether or not you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. sure. And, you know, so there's, there's all these issues that come up that Paul is wanting to bring us back to remind us what makes us followers of Jesus is that we have received his salvation, his grace by faith alone. That's what makes us part of the family of God, along with all those other people who have been saved by grace through faith, but may look very different in how they're following Jesus. Yeah. So Jeff, I just have one more question for you. It's kind of just a, a tangent here from what we're already talking about. With regards to the law, if um, ultimately no human being could be justified by the law, then how do we keep from thinking or feeling like the um, God's people in the Old Testament were just set up to fail? Mm -hmm. Well, 
Yeah, in in one sense, they kind of were not in not in a bad way. Uh, but the reality is, of course, the law could not save them, and yet that's not what the law was intended to do either. So, in the biggest sense, no, they weren't set up to fail uh, because the law was not intended to save. What saved them was being in covenant relationship with God by faith. And the law was given as an expression of God's will for his people and the kind of community and society and culture that they would, that they would build together, right? So, okay, we're God's people. How do I live that out? What does that look like? How do I relate to my neighbors? What happens when my neighbor's ox tramples down my fence and eats my grain and what happens when this person, you know, violates me in some way? Uh, and, and how do I live out the faith that God has given me? That's what the law is meant to do. The sacrifices are there to remind people that we don't keep the law and God has provided a way for us to be reconciled, forgiven, and renewed in our relationship with him. So the law is the direction, is the path, and the sacrifices are there because we can't keep the law, which is exactly why Jesus is the law keeper and the sacrifice. And that's why uh, Paul can say in uh, Christ is the end, the goal, the purpose of the law. Christ has come to fulfill what we could not. He's come to be the final sacrifice of God. But now in him, we do also have a new desire and ability to obey God's law in a way that his old covenant people couldn't. But he didn't leave them helpless. He didn't set them up for failure. Uh, all, all the law and all the sacrifices were meant to continually humble them and remind them that they had to depend completely on God's grace, which was poured out to them through the sacrifices and through the reminders of God's goodness and forgiveness. The problem with the law, again, is that uh, we tend to want to look at it as something that I can live up to, I can do, and then I know that I'm good. And that's where Paul is critiquing the law, not because there's anything wrong with the law, but it's the, the problem in us. But now as God's people with the Spirit living inside us, we do have this new ability to obey, even though we don't do it perfectly, and the Spirit living in us to, to help us and to motivate us and to grow us in looking more and more like Jesus. But the temptation that Paul wants to warn us and drive us away from is looking at our obedience as the foundation of our identity or our security in Jesus. No, it has to be in Jesus himself, in faith, in the faithfulness of Christ. And that's what's freeing, actually. That's what, that's what gives us joy and ability to see God's law now as a good and delightful thing. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.